Hello and welcome to A Year with the Beatles, a limited series of podcasts exploring virtually every studio album by the Beatles, month by month. My name is Graham Burke, and I'm joined by music critic and writer of the blog The Delete Men, Rob Jones. Hello, Rob. Hey, Graham. How's it going, dude? And joining us this month is Felicity Cousinitz, who can be heard occasionally on the amazing comedy podcast, The Flopcast. How are you, Felicity? I'm pretty good, Graham. Now, we thought we'd offer, as a supplement to our 11th episode, a look at a different side of the Beatles we don't often discuss. We thought we'd take this opportunity to look back on the Beatles' career in animated cartoons. While the Beatles are still performing together as a group, there were two very distinct efforts to chronicle the Fab Four as cartoon characters. So why don't we jump in and go look at our first example. safari, ten ruddy days in this ruddy African torture bucket, and not one sign of big game. Absolutely nothing. Whose idea was this? Ringo's. The travel agency assured me this was the absolute heart of the rare three-horned albino rhino country. I'd give a million dollars to be able to photograph an albino rhino with three horns. Big game? Not even a little game. Would you fellows consider giving points for a teetsy? Yes. That's a clip from the Beatles' Saturday morning cartoon, which ran from 1965 to 1969 on ABC in the U.S. I must say, until I watched them for podcast, I've never seen these before. Felicity, had you ever seen this before? And if so, what the hell did you make of them? I had never seen them before. I had only recently found out that they existed and I somehow expected them to be more in the style of Yellow Submarine, but they were definitely a much uh, cheaper format. <laughs> That's said with considerable understanding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rob, uh, what did you make of uh, the Beatles cartoon? Well, I, I actually do remember uh, the Beatles uh, cartoons really vaguely as a sort of really early, dusty, hazy childhood memory. Um, so at some point, they, they, uh, they must have been on uh, as reruns. Because I also remember the animated Abbott and Costello TV series, which is, I think, similar uh, to, to this. But anyway... Um, yeah, I do. I do kind of remember it. Yeah, I suppose when you're looking at it from the standpoint of you know being a fan of uh, Yellow Submarine and the whole you know psychedelic movie making type of thing, and then you watch this, it's kind of a, a bit of a let. I have to say, as a st- standard Saturday morning cartoon fare, I found it kind of ordinary. <laughs> I mean, it's partially just the the formula for them. The plots are there to illustrate some song by the Beatles and. <laughs> I think my favorite example of the entire lot is the episode that is titled Cub Give Me Your Dinah Hand, which is, of course, uh, a ger- <laughs> the German language version of I Want to Hold Your Hand, which the Beatles did sort of as a novelty track. They worked an episode around it. I, I'm amazed. They The Beatles traveled to some Germanic country where they have to go put up a flag on an alpine mountain accompanied by a St. Bernard. And at some point, hijinks follows and they're, they're about to fall over the mountain. And and Paul's saying to the dog, please take my hand, take my hand. And, and, and John says, he speaks German. And so they say, so he says, Gunda, give me your paw. He probably only speaks German. 
down a hand. Come get that down a hand. Come to me. They sing the song. Yeah. Um. Did, I can't understand why they felt they needed to, you know, showcase the German version of that song in particular. I know. Yeah. It's so it's so bizarre, and the songs they pick from the catalog are just similarly similarly randomly chosen. It's just very it's very wasn't very wasn't Devil in Her I, Heart one of the one of the songs. That 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 was part of a different sequence. Yeah. They because in the in between the songs they had sing along segments where they'd go play a song and encourage the kids to sing along, and they even like call out the kids romper room style and say, you know, Marjorie, you're not singing loud enough. <laughs> <laughs> you kids out there really sang up a storm that time. The only thing was, a couple of you didn't sing as loud as I'd like to hear. You there, Marie. There's no need to be bashful. And Peter and Sheila just sitting there. Don't let your mom and dad drown you out like that. Sing songs like, she's got the devil in her heart. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they actually have the lyrics going the bottom. She's got the devil in her heart. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, this I can't believe. And you're like going, what? It's such a suggestive song. And I, I'm still going, I'm still back at, what, how on earth are they doing such a suggestive song on a Saturday morning cartoon? <laughs> and actually having the lyrics for the kids to sing yeah. along. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's because it's not literal, like because all the stuff in there isn't literal. So, you know, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's why that's why I got through, because, you know, it it, it it's suggestive. It's not, you know, they're not saying anything that is kid unfriendly. Exactly. You know, unless you count the devil or whatever it is. But um, it, it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's it comes from that sort of world of r&b which the beatles love and that's why it was in their set and everything like that but yeah it's kind of it kind of it's kind of jarring when it's you know part of a cartoon so felicity uh i was wondering you know how did you take their voices because my notes i have written john lennon as played by rex harrison yeah (laughs) just as i thought well you go to the lounge we're staying here you stop following us and giving away our disguises the voices were just horrendous and i would think that even kids would notice that there is something wrong only uh only ringo sounds vague, vaguely liverpudlian and the voice of paul freeze is all over this and i of course know him from years and years of watching rankin bass christmas specials so yeah that's it <laughs> exactly. yeah that's right yeah that i i couldn't avoid you know hearing paul freeze all over this and and that was just jarring <laughs> it's true. It, Paul Freeze is all over it. He does the voice of Boris in uh, in uh, Bull right. Bull. That's right. So yeah. so you know. So it's and of course of course when you have the German Burgermeister in Pumpkin Madonna Hand, of course it sounds like Boris Batten. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it becomes this bizarre fusion of all my cartoons as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. He did all those <laughs> Jay Ward cartoons, right? That, that's right. probably why they got him in because you know he was a he was a pro. You know he knew what he was doing in terms of cartoon voiceover work so they probably just said let's get paul freeze in here you know he's he knows what he's doing so they you know it's probably i'm guessing it was probably as simple as that you know just just getting in the pro whoever that pro happens to be and again from the american standpoint perhaps i'm again i'm generalizing really heavily here maybe it's just uh, it was just good enough for them to talk funny you know it didn't have to necessarily (laughs) you know what i mean it didn't necessarily have to be accurate you know like that oh that's a very authentic Woolton accent you're doing there mr freeze like i i don't i don't think that was probably part of that conversation they, they just had to they just had to uh you know uh 
the voice actors just had to to talk in a different way. Yeah, it sounded like they were really aiming for the lowest, you know, lowest uh, bar that they could clear. <laughs> yeah, it seems that way. Like George, I, I don't even know what accent what their George Harrison is doing, and I use the word George Harrison in quotes. Right. <laughs> Hey, he's got a beautiful lady in there. She's a prisoner of that madman. I will say this, that I, I think the actual character design are, are pretty good. You know, in terms, of the, in terms of the caricatures with George kind of speaking out of the side of his mouth a bit and, and John with his jaw and, and Ringo with his nose and whatever it is. Those are, those are pretty good. Uh, yeah, the caricatures are quite good. Yeah, in terms yeah. of cartoon characters, I mean, that's what you want. I mean, yeah, and Paul McCartney with his, with his big eyebrows and whatever it is, you know, those sort of puppy dog eyes. So, you know, in that, in that sense, they, they did a pretty good job at the cartoon side of things uh, in terms of the character design. But, yeah, the voices are pretty brutal. <laughs> what, I wonder, I, what I wonder is how much play these things got in Britain because there's a, there's a scene in uh, 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 Anthology where uh, George Harrison is, is describing the time that the Beatles went to meet Elvis. Uh, and Elvis was staying in, uh, in Los Angeles. And George's uh, quote is, you know, they, they smoked uh, some jazz cigarettes on the way there. And when, you know, they got there and they opened the door, you know, they all fell out like in a Beatles cartoon. So I'm wondering if George Harrison actually watched that, you know, because he seemed to, re- <laughs> yeah. he seemed to uh, you know, refer to that. And it's kind of interesting. I seem to recall that, that Harrison did watch it. And, of course, they hated it at the time, but they kind of warmed to it as they got older and more mellow about it. Well, I think, I think when they, you know, they had some distance, right? They had, and they had an idea in their own heads of separating, you know, the Beatles from themselves, from their own personalities. So I can see why George would have a bit of an appreciation for uh, it being represented in cartoon form, because in some ways, you know, George was very tuned into the fact that in some ways that the Beatles were cartoons. They were caricatures in the minds of many people anyway. So it probably made sense to him, you know, later on. It's the kind of culmination of the Beatles as a fad, because, you know, you think a year after they put out the sort of the main cycle of episodes, the actual band is actually making Revolver. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of a, it's it's this kind of glimpse, as you said, Rob, into the kind of the audience expectations of what the Beatles were. And yet at the time, what they were actually doing was far greater than that. I mean, that kind of dissonance is kind of is kind of weird when you look back on it. I would I would. Think. Yeah. And also the fans are getting older, too. Right. So they were they were still trying to squeeze the last drops out of the teeny bopper market, I think. You know, I think that's probably a big part of it, you know, because uh, the Beatles, uh, you know, they they had moved on, as you say. They they were making Revolver, and they were no longer touring, and you know they weren't a spectacle anymore in some ways, you know. So so having the cartoon in there is like, yeah, that that sort of fills that gap, or that void. Maybe 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 the word void is is more yeah. appropriate. <laughs> Well, with that Saturday morning TV side of things taken care of, why don't we go a little more cinematic now with our next example. Blame it. It must be very tiring being time, mustn't it? Why? Well, it's a 24-hour day, isn't it? Oh, you surprise me, Ringo. Why? Dealing in abstracts. Oh, look, John. Just because I'm a drummer doesn't mean that I, I, you know, feel funny. Hey, Ringo, you're not half the lad you used to be. Hey, look, everything's getting bigger. It's not. It's us that are getting smaller. (laughs) I want me mom. And younger. 
That's a clip from the animated film Yellow Submarine, directed by George Dunning, which was made on a budget of 250,000 pounds and opened on July 17th, 1968. Uh, so, Rob, a challenging question to start off with. Um, what the hell was it about? <laughs> <laughs> what what the hell was a Yellow Submarine about? Y- yeah, yes. Well, yes, they, uh, were, they were under attack by Blue Meanies, you see, Graham. The, the world of... of Pepperland was was threatened by blue meanies who hate music and love and all things good, and uh, and so they needed they needed some help, you know. So they they sent off uh, you know the captain and his yellow submarine to go and 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 send help to help Pepperland, and they found the the Beatles okay. and they went straight to Liverpool, of course, because you know of that's course. where you go when you're being attacked by blue meanies. <laughs> so uh, uh, they went uh, they went to Liverpool and uh, picked up Ringo and his friends and. You know, they came back, and turns out that the Beatles had a striking resemblance to uh, to a band, a legendary band of old, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. You know, and uh, and the day was saved. And a giant glove sails around and threatens everyone. And <laughs> hey, see, that's where you lose me. <laughs> hey, see, that's that's the point at which I, I get kind of lost. Okay, okay. So there's all this stuff that happens, and then. Hamburger Helper shows up and stuff goes <laughs> That's right. on. Okay, okay, okay. Hamburger okay. Helper. Uh, 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 <laughs> nice. Felicity, uh, what did you make of Yellow Submarine? Well, it's interesting because I remember seeing it as a kid in theaters. You know, obviously not on its original release, but sometime in the mid to late 70s, I must have seen it. And, you know, my parents had raised me on Beatles music, so that's probably why they dragged me along to see this. And I just found myself a very nostalgic watching it. Uh, there were scenes that I remembered very well, um, particularly in the opening when the Blue Meanies invade Pepperland and kind of, you know, turn everyone to stone and drop these big apples on everybody, um, which I found pretty scary as a kid. And and symbolic. You know, this yeah. <laughs> and then there's a you know, there's a long meandering middle of the of the uh, film when they go through all these different uh, landscapes and seas. Then I remembered the big finale when they sing "All You Need Is Love" and you know bring everybody back to life and eventually uh, confront the Blue Meanies and get them in on the uh, on the happiness. I still have no idea what to make of Yellow Submarine. I've seen it. I've seen it. <laughs> I, I I think I've seen it half a dozen times since I was a teenager. And it, for me, it's like they put the Beatles, Monty Python, the Goons, Lewis Carroll, and the entirety of the '60s pop art movement into a blender. And put it on puree. It's it just yeah. The 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 art in Pepperland, especially, is so you know. There's it's so Art Nouveau, and that's you know really echoes the the pop art influence of the time. And you know, there's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have appreciated as a kid. But there's not yeah. There's not a lot to the plot, and it remind going back to Christmas specials again. It really reminds me of you know several Christmas specials where there's a you know someone who hates Christmas and you know is ruining ruining everybody's fun, and then you know it just needs the hero to come in and and uh, change his mind and make everybody happy. I mean, for me, uh, what I like about it is that it's magical mystery tour done right. It's it's strange and baffling, but it's also something where I feel more in on the joke. <laughs> As opposed to magical mystery tour where I was on a, on an entirely different continent from the joke. But, but here, I mean, I feel like it has real charm. And I love the Blue Meanies as villains. And they're the campus thing I've ever seen. And, you know, right down to the boots they wear. <laughs> and I, it's, 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 it's just so bizarre. But I, 
just, yeah, I, I love it um, for that reason. Uh, Rob, what is it that you like about it? I, I like that it brings out uh, the childhood quality that's always been a part of, of the Beatles' uh, music and persona. You know, it, it really brings that to the forefront. And I really, I really like that. You know, it, <clears throat> that had always been there. And uh, to me, Yellow Submarine and all the visuals and all the, all the weird humor and all the weird throwaway lines, you know, are all a part of what had already been there. You know, Beetle humor, for instance, that really comes out in Yellow Submarine, you know, like... Hey, there's a Cyclops. Garby, he's got two eyes. One must be a Bicyclops. There's another one. Whole Cyclopedia. That's, I love that, you know? I love that kind of humor, you know? And that had always been there. Uh, and, and, I, and I love that they sort of gave a representation of, of that, especially toward uh, the end of, of the Beatles' career when, you know, things weren't going so well and they weren't getting along and, and the, the joy was be, beginning to kind of drain out of the whole exercise for the band. You know, in the middle of all that, we have Yellow Submarine, you know, to kind of remind fans you know that there's this childlike wonder at the heart of what they were doing in terms of their music and in terms of you know at heart who who they were uh, you know in one respect anyway uh, and I think that is sort of the core of what I, I love about it. I agree with Rob I really you know think that there's a kind of a childlike wonder about it and it is kind of very you you Graham you mentioned Lewis Carroll there is there is a very kind of through the looking glass quality to it. Um, I love the the weird uh, character they meet, and I can't remember what his real name is, but the, you know they sing Nowhere Man about him. Jeremy. Um, Jeremy. Jeremy, and yeah, Ringo becomes quite attached to him, and um, nice to see him show up again at the end. I just, you know, just the the fun they seem to be having together and, and kind of the cheekiness of it, and, you know, Ringo is really, you know, kind of the hero of this and is, is kind of the the most lovable. That's funny because I think it even extends to the, to the final scene, which is the live scene with, with the actual, with the actual Beatles there. In spite of the fact this is made in the middle of 1968, when they were at each other's throats, they're really quite charming together still. It's, it's, a, and I feel like that delight and, and that, and that kind of goofiness kind of even came through even to the live bit, which I thought was kind of wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It should be noted that uh, you know they didn't do their own voices, and for many years, and when I was a kid, I just assumed it was the Beatles doing it. You know, and yeah, I only I know. found out la later on that it was you know, uh, it was uh, what's his name from uh, Keeping Up Appearances. You know, doing Paul's voice. Um, Jeffrey Onslow. Hughes. Yeah, Onslow. Yeah, he was doing uh, Paul's voice, and there was a, other other actors doing the Beatles voices. Uh, and I, I yeah, it's certainly a lot <laughs> a lot more convincing than the uh, the TV. Yeah. I think because, you know, say, you know, the, the actors in question were British, for instance, you know, I don't know. If, I, don't, I don't think they were all from Liverpool, but but uh, that helped. And it and it was really seamless when they transitioned into the songs as well, because yeah. that, that was, of course, where the, where the actual recorded songs that the, the characters were singing. And you know, I think it, it generally worked pretty well. It's not even just the Britishness thing. Lance Percival played Paul and Ringo in the TV show who did the better voices. He's He was British and he actually plays he actually plays Fred in, in Yellow Submarine. But it's, for me, I think it's that they really look at 
the voices as a function of the character design. Um, so they really tried to get voices that fit the characters and work and fit with the characters as we know them as real people, but also fit the characters as we know them as cartoon characters. And, and it worked really nicely. And they, and they, and it worked down to the scripting of each character. You know, you, you I mean, Ring, Ringo's quite fanciful and George is kind of grounded and Paul and John is apt to suddenly start talking about Einstein. And it just had nice little contrast between the characters works really well mm-hmm. yeah um, and they and they got actors to sort of do a good parody of the Beatles voices so that you know it wasn't it wasn't a perfect copy but it was enough of it that it worked well as Felicity says it was a nice tra- it worked transitioned into the songs really well and I think the Beatles themselves appreciated what you know the end product you know they I think they unlike a lot of uh, you know, unlike a lot of representations uh, that were being made of them, you know, like lunch boxes and all kinds of crap, basically. And and this was initially, you know, they had initial, uh, you know, hesitations and reservations about the whole project because, as it's famously uh, sort of uh, referenced, um, the people that had done this uh, had done the Flintstones. I- I'm not quite sure how how <laughs> how true that is, but that was their conception. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were, I think they were nervous about that. I don't think that was the case, but that's certainly what George Martin said in the complete Beatles. Um, but yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was curious, do you have a favorite scene? I'm trying to think. I, I like when, uh, when they all get old and sing when I'm 64, just cause the, the long white beards are <laughs> really funny. <laughs> yeah. I like when they're collecting them in the house and, and they go to all the different rooms to get each of them. And, and, and John's, you know, turned himself into a Frankenstein monster and, and, and George, and, <laughs> and George is, and, and George is in this sort of meditation room. And George, what are you doing up there? Now, what is it, Ringo? Is that a matter you'd like to take up? Or down? This chap here. I'm you down, won't you? Smooth, 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 and I just love how they sort of collect them all. It's it's a it's a really great sequence, and the Art Nouveau uh, influence that you pointed at Felicity is is very evident in that. Of course, there's five original songs in the film, along with an old, a lot of old favorites. And so, and I think we'd be remiss if we don't talk about the songs. So, in our grand tradition, here's the original songs from Yellow Submarine in one minute, more or less. It doesn't really matter what chords I play, what words I say, or time of day it is, as it's only. Sail the ship, jump the tree, skip the rope, look at me, all together now, all together now, all together now, you can't talk to me, you can't talk to me, 
Felicity, what's the standout song of the of the original songs for you? As a kid, I would have seen All Together Now. I would have said All Together Now, but uh, as an adult, I definitely like Hey Bulldog best. Ah, yes. He, he sort of caught the caught the two ends of the of the of the spectrum for me. Um, uh, All Together Now is for me the ideal Beatles children's song. It it, it feels like yeah. if, if you know if, if Paul McCartney took a side career as a children as a children's entertainer, All Together Now would be like the best song ever. I'm amazed Raffi never did anything with it. It is such a great, and it's just a, it's a massive earworm. Um, yeah. But you know, Hey Bulldog's got the, has got has got so much going on in it. It's such a great song. Yeah, that piano riff is great, and um, just the, I, I just love the the chorus. You, I mean, I love John's voice, and it's just and and just all the all the noise that it descends into in the end with the barking and and John talking back to the dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all child child childlike stuff. Again, you know, that's yeah, really brings out that side of his personality, which I think, you know, is uh, is an important piece here. But I will say that. Uh, the piano riff on Hey Bulldog is undeniable. It's one of the one of the best things ever. Uh, I I like all the all the songs, uh, but I'm gonna plump for uh, It's All Too Much. To me, it's the best psychedelic tune that the Beatles ever did. It's just it's full of, you know, kind of wooziness and uh, but at the same time joyfulness as well. And uh, and George's voice is uh, really sort of uh, languid and sort of pulls you it just pulls you right in and it has this sense of scale to it which i really love Yeah, I also love "It's All Too Much." It's, it, it, it's a it's a song that's just packed with with layers, and it just builds and builds. I love the ending of the song actually. I, I love the way it, it really uses um, a horn section in a way that it, I mean, I'm used to stuff like Penny Lane and and the sort of the sort of kind of bright kind of horns, but this kind of you know low brassiness is is really really great. The way they sort of build that in. Yeah, it's it's very it's very north of England. Uh, those yeah. those types of those types of mm-hmm. horn sounds with all the brass bands and all the brass band culture in northern England. Um, uh, yeah, that that works in really well. I love all the sort of liturgical organ type stuff, which which Harrison used a lot in his tracks around this time. I don't know whether that was to sort of evoke this sort of sense of spiritual, you know, from his childhood or whatever it is. But that's a, it's, it's a massive massive track. I just love that one. Going back to the film, it's such a different experience to the 1965 Saturday morning cartoon show. It's, I mean, it's something that kids can love, but it's something that adults can love too. And 
presumably also get high to while they're watching. I, 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 I don't <laughs> <even> think. <laughs> but uh, for me, it's it's all it's also kind of a seminal a- animated cartoon in many ways, like the design by Hans Eidelman in it, the, which mm-hmm. I, I think brings me to my final question: If the 1965 Saturday Morning cartoon was sort of the culmination of the Beatles' fad, was Yellow Submarine sort of the first glimmerings in popular culture as the Beatles? That was something maybe more than just that. I think so. You know, I, I, I think uh, the animators and, well, everybody around was sort of considered the Beatles to be on the cutting edge of the zeitgeist. So I imagine one of their missions, you know, in creating the, the film is to kind of put, uh, again, you know, visu- visually represent that, you know, in, 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 in the film. Um, you know, to kind of make it true to the material, to make it true to, to the music. Um, I think that, that, I mean, if it was me in charge, you know, and, uh, that's exactly the approach I would have taken, and I, I'm pretty sure that that's the approach that was taken. The design by Heinz Eidelman, I think, says a lot about the approach to the Beatles. It's, 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 it's a much more sophisticated idea of them. And the fact that they... They don't look like cartoon. They don't look like the kind of caricature cartoon characters that you were talking about, Rob. In in, in, no, the, in, they don't. in, the, in the cartoon, it's it's a much more sophisticated design. And uh, the the Blu-ray includes some of the design, some of the early designs Eidelman did on, on it, sort of explaining Ringo. It's like you know black circles with you know. The, <laughs> <and> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's it, it has it's, it's such a it's such a very different. It's a much more sophisticated approach, and, and I almost feel like we talk about the plot not having much and it does have that kind of old-fashioned rankin bass quality but it also has a very it seems like a very deceptive simpleness it's it's meant to be sort of a very sparse so they can just have this playground of fantastic visuals i agree with both of you that it's really you know works on a lot of different levels you know for both kids and adults and it is a much more sophisticated uh where the you know the the tv cartoons were you know nothing special nothing groundbreaking this was really a groundbreaking film in the same way that the beatles were groundbreaking uh, musical artists so i think that's a good place to leave it off uh if you have any comments drop us a line at beatles at gemgeekerrarebuck.com and we'll have another supplementary episode after this and then we'll be back for our final episode on the beatles 1970 album let it be in the meantime thank you very much rob jones and felicity Cousinitz. thank you both thank you i'm graham burke we'll see you next time on a year with the beatles 